Greetings, guys and gals. Join me here at Success Over Stress, where the goal is to strengthen strategies that will defeat doubt, cure complacency, and strangle stress. I'm on the road to a healthier, happier, and stress-controlled life by taking control of my financial situation. With the right direction, so can you. Okay, okay, okay. This is Eric Garland. I'm back. It's February 2nd, 2023. I'm finally back in the building with another podcast. And I haven't been here with you for a while. And there are reasons for that. It's because I've been busy. I've been busy doing things. I know you've been doing things too, but I've been doing things. So come on, cut me some slack. All right, so today we're talking about penny stocks. We all love them, don't we? Don't we love penny stocks? Shouldn't you love penny stocks? I mean, I'm just saying. Do you know what they are? Are they stocks that cost a penny? Are they equities, futures, options, forex? What are they? Penny stocks. They're equities. They're traded on the exchanges. They don't cost a penny. They typically, or at least in the past, cost less than a dollar, according to the Securities and Exchange Commission, and now they cost less than $5. So, okay. A lot of stuff in the background. We're going to keep it moving. All right. So um, they're usually traded on the OTC. So the over the over the counter exchanges because they have less restrictions for net assets and shareholders, the number of shareholders that are required, that kind of thing. Um, The penny stocks are typically going to be your smaller companies, probably going to be like your nano nano caps, your micro caps, nano caps are the stocks that um, that have market capitalization less than $50 million and micro caps are from $50 million to $300 million. And what, some of the reasons why the micro cap stocks and the nano cap stocks, the penny stocks overall, don't have a lot of movement, don't have a lot of liquidity, they don't have a lot of volume, they don't have a lot of people trading the stock. One, they probably don't have a lot of shares because they have a low capitalization rate. Uh, and then two, there's less coverage on it. There's less talk about them because they're probably not as big as companies. There's less, um, there's less institutional investors investing in them because they may not be worth as much. And so their growth and the potential may be less. Um, and you know, the, the institutional investors can put their money elsewhere that looks more substantial, that looks more lucrative. Also, Analysts don't tend to cover penny stocks as much for the same reason. So when nobody covers it, it gets no, no, co- you know, media coverage or financial coverage, or it doesn't get time on any of the investment shows. Then there's going to be no trading. People only trade because of value. They trade because they either a think that there's value to be had, or b think that something is overvalued. So without that, nothing moves. Now. There is high risk for these penny stocks. There's high risk because they're so volatile. Again, low volume means not a lot of traders. Not a lot of traders means not a lot of movement on the auction block. The more people, the more participants you have at the auction block, the more likely you're going to get somebody bidding a price at every level. The fewer participants, the fewer the levels. 
So if you really need to uh, exercise a price bid at multiple levels, you're going to have less chance of having that field. You're going to have less chance of executing that that uh, that order when there's low liquidity. Same reason why large companies don't want to get into stocks that have low liquidity. Why? Because they can't get out. Say they get a billion dollars worth of, uh, well, we could call it inventory, their stocks, but say they get a billion dollars worth of stocks, worth of shares, and then the stock moves up. And so now it's worth like 20 billion, but there's no volume. There's nobody to sell it to. It may be worth that much, but they can't exit. They can't get out of their position up there. They might be able to get rid of a thousand shares, but they can't ri get rid of all of the shares that equal the, the, the billion dollars that they invested. So what happens? The stock starts moving back down and then they end up selling the stock for less than they paid for it, but they get out of the shares eventually. So nah, that, that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Also, with the high volatility, and like I said, it's, it's volatile because of the low number of participants. So you're gonna have somebody at the high, high end of the spectrum, somebody at the low end of the spectrum. When the market executes, it's gonna go from the high end to the low end. That could be a big gap. That's what volatility means. That could be a small gap. That will be low volatility. But because there's fewer market participants, there's lower volume, there's less liquidity, there is higher volatility. That makes for great gains if you can enter and exit where you want to, but it also makes for a headache if you can't exit where you want to, or you have slippage because you wanted to exit at $50, and now you can't get out at $50, and you end up getting out at $35, well now you only made $2 profit instead of $17 profit, okay? Do the math. Now, again, there's high reward there. Because of that higher volatility, there's higher reward. So this is something that day traders look for. They look for that high reward. Um, you know, you gotta have that high risk tolerance too. You gotta pay to play, baby, you gotta pay to play. But the higher reward is what the day traders are looking for because they're looking to, they're looking to flip their money in a short amount of time. Long-term investors, institutional traders, those kind of, folks, those kind of market participants, they're looking at a longer play. So they don't need to make 20% in a day because they don't plan to do anything with that money for 10 years. Okay. So it doesn't matter if it goes down a little bit, up a little bit, down a lot, up a lot, whatever. They're looking at a 10 year, um, they're looking at a 10 year span or a longer term span. And so they have time to wait to allow that that stock to matriculate, to slowly move up to that 20% margin. So which one is right? The higher risk, higher reward day trader who gets in and gets out in the same day and makes that 20% profit or the longer term investor who puts it in, holds it and you know gets 20% on the back end. Um, I don't know. And again, I am not a financial advisor, so like, uh, uh, what's the guy's name from Reading Rainbow? Don't take my word for it. Now, I did read something on Investopedia.com that it did say that during periods of bullish strength, that micro caps 
tend to outperform the larger caps. So that's something important, which I didn't know myself. And I was looking at the data. It looked like it was maybe, I think it was referencing maybe a, over a year span, but it said that like the SPY, the S&P index would return 9% and micro caps would return Eleven percent, so two percent difference. Whatever. I mean, money is money, but I'm just saying that they, those those were the numbers. So if you're interested in um, kind of like hedging your portfolio from bullish to bearish markets, then that might be something you want to consider to transitioning from larger caps to smaller caps when the um, when the market shifts from bullish to bearish, or from bearish to bullish. Okay, now, what we all came here for, motorsports games, MSGM, it soared, it soared, it went ways, ways to the upsides. So I'm just going to talk briefly about this and then um, and then I want to wrap it up. Uh, I'll do a, a little video or something on MSGM more specifically so you can see the chart and see the chart analysis and what's going on there. But MSGM is a... Uh, is a penny stock that moved here February the 1st and February the 2nd or January 31st and February the 1st. Um, February the 2nd here is pretty much going down. It's going down. But, so my notes here says that uh, MSGM was trading around $3 on January the 30th. It was up 194%. To the open so in after hours it went up 194 percent um to the open on february the first and it opened at seven dollars 28 cents so by the end of february the first there was a 195 percent gain you believe that that's nice you believe that that's nice okay and after hours there was uh, it went to a high okay follow me now okay so we got february first during the market hours of February 1st, it went up 195% in after hours, which includes both, well, um, I, I call after hours all after hours. So includes post-market and pre-market or you know after hours and before hours. But it went up a total of uh, another 290%. So it went up to $81. And then just minutes before the opening bell, it retraced uh, a whopping 70%. From that that's a lot that's a lot all right so who is msgm msgm is motorsports games it's a florida-based racing game developer and it's uh they exchange they are listed on the nasdaq exchange and one of the things i guess sometime last year they got out of compliance with the listing requirements so just recently they announced that they were in full compliance with nasdaq's listing requirements that's usually a market that's usually a tradable event and yeah i mean it was um they're a company with a market cap of 27.5 million and we know that if it's less than uh, 50 then it's a nano cap so this is considered a nano cap not a whole lot going on with the um with the overall company size uh, so also, the company on February the 1st, they announced, hmm, let's see, February the 1st? Yeah, 
Yeah, February the 1st. It was the... It was... Was it February the 1st or was it January the 31st? Anyway, uh, within the last couple days, they announced a debt for equity agreement to repay their majority stockholder, which is Motorsport Network. They had an outstanding debt of $2,948,956.99, and that was the remaining on a balance of a $12 million $12 million line of credit. So looks like they the balance that was due, they gave Motorsport Network equity. So they gave them shares for that balance that was due. So that pretty much wiped their slate clean. And so, you know, now they have uh, they have the freedom, the flexibility, the the uh, zero balance to go and do whatever they want to do. Note, in a five year period, on a monthly, looking at it on a monthly basis, the beta, the beta uh, for this company is negative 0.83. So pretty much for every dollar that the index was making, this company was losing 83 cents. So yeah, but honestly, if you look back at the three year span of this, not the three year span, um, I have to look back at it. It looked like according to my chart analysis, it showed that the company started um, trading on the exchange in 2020. No, 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 no. That's not right. I have to, I have to pull the, I think I saw 2021, but I don't feel like that's right. Uh, but either way, they don't have a long history of being on the exchange. So I'm gonna look that up real quick. I'm gonna look it up. And January of 2021 is when it looks like I'm first seeing data for this company, which is it's crazy because uh, 2021, so you got a year, and then 22 is two years. So they've only really been trading for about two years, but it started off the the um, this this ticker symbol started, you know, MSGM. It started off trading around $300, and from there it has come down, 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 down. It really didn't have any moment where it decided to have a bullish move, except for maybe uh, around September, uh, August of 2021. It had a little blip up, but that was not substantial enough to um, qualify as a bullish event. Um, but it did around, let's say, around April of 2022. It kind of finally hit a hit a bottom, and then it just has been moving laterally ever since. But this is this is a weak stock. This is just a really weak stock. And I mean, just if you look at the earnings reports from the from the last year, earnings reports of 2021, six cent loss um, for the first quarter, a dollar thirty cent loss second quarter, third quarter uh, was a loss, fourth quarter was a seven dollar twenty nine cent loss. I mean, whew, big losses, you know. So the uh, TD Ameritrade, I, I did see that there was a a news event from November the 10th that there was a mm, one to 10 split on November the 10th of 2022. So, you know, for that one share that you got, now you got 10. Yeah, yeah, stock split. It's not a reverse split, it's a split. All right, uh, and around that time, that time in November, that, that was the first that I could see a sign, any sign of uh, any real volume. Uh, there was also an earnings call that was the, um, I guess the third quarter one that we we're talking about uh, of 
on November the 18th. And it did show a price gap up with, uh, with the split of about 34%, and then it retraced lower in the week. So overall, the stock still stayed low, but it had some volatility, some fluctuations in price and volume there from November to the first of the year. And at the first of the year, there was about a 200% gain uh, in price, but that didn't hold, it dropped. And from there, there was another swing low. Um, and that was with dropping volume before it started moving up. Also, I do want to point this out because after after the stock went up on was it February the January the 31st and then went up on yeah, after the stock went up on January the 31st. And that was the only real day that it went up during market hours. The the subsequent move up, you know, from that uh, what was it? About $21 up to $80. That happened in the after hours. So to me, that doesn't count. After hours is the wild, wild west. You know, there's no limits on, um, on there's, you know, during, during market hours, you have the circuit breaker, the halts and that kind of thing that prevent uh, people from panicking and uh, help maintain the liquidity, liquidity and the stability in the market. But in after hours, you don't have that. So uh, I don't, I don't, I tend to not ever trust what happens in after hours. And if, uh, if a stock moves up in after hours, I, especially, you know, penny stock, I'll hardly trade it. Uh, I've learned that after losing multiple times, usually what happens in after hours when it goes up like that is then when the market opens, there's just a bunch of shorters coming in and saying, Hey, that's not right. Nobody agreed on that except for these after hours people. And, um, the rest of the market doesn't care what they think. So we're going to short it. And so the stock typically, typically goes like right down. So yeah, I don't, I tend not to give a lot of credence to what happens in after hours. So that, that stock moved from 21 up to 80 and that's fine, but I don't think anybody else agreed on that. And subsequently when the market opened, it just tanked and it's been tanking for two days. Now, last thing I leave you with is, uh, I did see that uh that on the am of today february the 2nd that uh, motorsport network entered into an agreement to the sale of 144,366 class a common stock shares with a purchase price $23.50 for net proceeds of 3.39 million dollars which the company says that they will use for development working capital and general corporate purposes i'm sure to fill their fat pockets um, yeah, I mean, if the stock is trading down at $3 and all of a sudden it bumps up way up, even in after hours, whatever, it goes up to 80, but then it retraces and comes back down. It's hanging out in that 21, 23, 25 area. They're going to take advantage of that. They're like, okay, well, we know that our stock isn't worth that much. So the, we're going to go ahead and, and sell some of the shares. We, we're going to cash in on, on some of this, uh, some of this, um, liquidity or, 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 or some of this um, buying power. And um, I hope they didn't cash in on you. Anyway, this is Eric. I'm out. Pay. Oh, 
don't forget to watch the chart analysis that I'll be doing here in a little bit, and I'll post the video on YouTube. Peace.